Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman with another Woodland Escape. All right, welcome back to Cabin Country, and Fudd, welcome back. Glad to be back. Good to be back on Cabin Country. Uh, tonight, I think we're going to take a short look at something we've talked about for a while. We've never actually looked at in any depth, and that is just, we all love Cabin Country. We all love being up at the, the shack or the cabin, the place you've got. Um, I know a lot of people have very large cabins these days. Some might call them lake homes, that kind of thing. Possibly with basements and walkouts and all that great stuff, but I, for one, as listeners well know, grew up at a cabin that was up on cinder blocks. It was a small fishing shack, part of a resort, and no basement. Um, I suppose we could have tried to retro dig a basement on the thing, but that was not part of my dad's reality. That would, why would you do that? That's it's not a cabin. If it, it's a cabin, it's up on concrete blocks. For crying out loud. Your place on the Gulf, Fudd? Well, the same kind of deal. It is on cinder blocks. And uh, I don't know how far deep you can dig. I mean, heck, our well is only about 15 feet deep. So uh, You're right on the riverbank there, too. That might be kind of challenging. Bottom line, we have grown up with or still enjoy small cabins and, and, you know, three-season kind of affair. Now, when you're at a place like that and the summer is roaring full tilt and the boats are flying up and down that's all great but every now and again mother nature decides to stir it up a little bit and make the weather real interesting and i think one of our sidebar stories tonight is what do you do at cabin country when the weather gets nasty don't have a cellar or a basement to go to no place to go where are you going to run out and go face down in a ditch and clutch the sod or what do you do here fud what's the plan and maybe a couple stories from our past things that we saw where things were kind of rapidly getting out of control and and we sat there thinking wow this uh this could get kind of unique i've been lucky knock on linoleum and wood that uh i haven't really experienced up at our cabin on the gull anything too serious but 
Nothing too crazy. I, I tell you, in the last couple of years, we've had some pretty serious thunderstorm wind damage and so many trees going down. So we've had our neighbor, who did go through it, uh, call, you know, called my dad. You've got trees down. I don't think anything's on the cabin, but yeah, you got like three, four trees down. And well, that's happened two years in a row. Wow. And, and fortunately, we weren't there. And I think my dad, like, recalls, boy, you know, we were almost going to stay an extra night, but we came home early. And thank, thank goodness for that, because that's when the storm hit. Things got stirred up and stirred up in a hurry. It seems like that's becoming more of the norm now with uh, kind of the passing. You weather's said getting less predictable. Your neighbor to the right had kind of an interesting tale. Yes, he did. It got dark and incredibly windy, and uh, I heard that uh, he and his wife were... They didn't know where to go, so they went... I think they turned their bed upside down and... and were laying underneath the mattress and they could kind of see out the window or something and they they you know i can't imagine what it would have been like to watch that and then feel not very secure in your white caps going down the gull river yes and his um his dock ended up being lifted out of the water up and up about uh oh i don't know 30 yards or so upside down kind of Kitty Wampus in the in the channel, and uh, I think he also did. He have a pontoon. I think he had a pontoon, a new pontoon that like snapped and got lost. And I think he recovered it, but yeah, some crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, I just know that in the aftermath, my dad and I went up, took some pictures of all the trees down, and then started cutting them up. Out come the chainsaws. Out come the but, Swedish uh, saws. And, and and we were lucky. Get after it. Again, that it didn't land on the cabin. So if we were up there, boy, we would have had quite a scare, quite a story to tell. Unfortunately, you know, no no injuries. But I, I have asked my dad, okay, Dad, well, if we were up here, what would we do? And he says to go, well, in our cabin, the way it's structured, we'd have to go in the bathroom. because go apparently, in the bathroom. Apparently it's Get sort of in a, essentially located underneath the peak of the the cabin and it seems to be the best most secure room so i guess if you if one place has to be your safe room sit on the throne right on the pot you bet <laughs> get hit on the throne and and uh maybe, pray yeah. for pray for an end to this craziness but uh that's other than that i don't know you know then there is the car but it, but there again, it's like if a if a tree comes tumbling down and you're in a car, yeah, that's, your average car's roof is not going to hold a, yeah. a a white oak or a red oak or a you know a pine tree. Yes, you, you're going to get much shorter real quick. So, but no uh, any stories passed interesting. from interesting? Uh, well, one comes to mind. I you know is sitting up on those just. Li- I mean, it was cinder block. You know, a yeah. pair of cinder blocks. I think they were cemented together, but that was the the footprint. Just and not, you know. Sometimes you'll see people will do, kind of like rows of cinder block, almost like, hey, it's got a basement, but it actually it's just sitting on mm-hmm. partially buried cinder block, two three high. No, this was just two per corner, uh. two per corner. You know, so there were a grand total of eight cinder blocks on some well pounded earth, and this, you know. 
pine cabin just sitting up on top of this stuff and the weight holding it down. I, As far as I know, I mean, I, they could have gone with the big screws and the anchors and all that kind of stuff. I have no idea. But knowing the construction of that resort and when it was built, my guess is none of that was a reality. So I think it was just sitting on top of these cinder blocks and, and on top of a, about a 30-foot bank that would go down to the lake. And so we had a great view of everything and, you know, the similarities between Daggett Lake and that stretch of the Gull River that your dad's place is on, it's uh, it's unbelievably similar. I mean, skinny, stretch of water, and long. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we've talked about this before, the sort of penultimate uh, water ski race course. You know, great place to drag race with boats. People mm-hmm. love to come out of the channel and just kick it open and, and just fly until they hit the next channel and then into Little Pine. But, uh, boy, you, it, it almost feels sometimes like those big windstorms. It's like they're following the course of the water, mm-hmm. you know? And it made me wonder with all the trees you guys lost two years running, you know, gosh, was it straight line winds? Was it tornadic activity? You know, what was going on? But from the direction of the, uh, the trees falling and everything, my guess is kind of a straight line affair. It looked like it was just yeah. pulling things down to one direction and, and things snapping off at crazy you know, heights and, all falling in the same direction. Well, we had a series, it seemed like, of thunderstorms, summer after summer. And they'd just get crazier and crazier. And, and for some reason, I was a real sissified young fellow when it came to really loud thunderstorms. And in a you know skinny little pine construction like that, up north, and it just seemed like thunder got louder. Thunder got louder, lightning came closer, you know, and... Uh, up on the high ground and trees all around us and then watching the white caps kicking down the lake and I recall one particular thunderstorm where it just seemed to go on and on and get more and more deafening lightning flashes you know quicker and quicker and quicker and just right after each other and and I remember we we didn't really have a safe spot. The, the bathroom was an add-on to the cabin at some point. So to be in there, oh, and there was a good 50, 60-foot white birch, you know, paper birch right outside the bathroom. And I, I remember my mom always saying, we got to take that down. If that thing comes over, oh, my goodness, it's just going to, this place will crack like a tinderbox, and we'll be in a, a rubbish pile sitting there getting rained on and if we make it through all this kind of stuff. So just sitting around the kitchen table in front of the sort of black and white, sort of pink, semi-functioning television, which wasn't on. I mean, we had it on trying to get weather, you know, what's going on here, and then the radio. My, my folks were classic Depression-era kids. Turn on the radio, it'll crackle because it's AM, and you're trying to get the weather out of, you know, Brainerd Walker. What's happening? Oh, my goodness, this is getting terrible. And it was it was something else. I mean, you know, five, six-foot whitecaps going down the lake, yeah, we could see people's docks kind of twisting in the water. Ours kind of rearranged itself a little bit. We suddenly had a interesting dogleg right that wasn't there. This was <laughs> pre-additions to this. It was just a straight dock, but all of a sudden it's at this funky angle, and part of it had moved. And a couple of the, my dad, prior to uh, using the you know, like galvanized steel pipes mm-hmm. for dock fittings, he just used wood. Oh. And they they had snapped off, and mm-hmm. so the dock had twisted, and the boat flipped over, and uh, thankfully the outboard wasn't on it, but the boat had flipped over, and uh, it was just getting really really crazy and louder and faster with the strikes, you know. 
I think we even saw lightning hit the lake a couple times. My mom was freaking out. I, I'm a good study. She starts freaking out. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? <laughs> and I just remember all of a sudden there was just this deafening blast. And, and it's totally synchronized with just this blinding flash. And lightning had come down that 50-foot birch tree, jumped into the power line you know, the feed for the lights in that bathroom addition. And the light bulb just exploded in the bathroom <laughs> with the bathroom door open, all this broken glass flying past us. And we were all, it was like partial deafness for like, you know, 10 seconds. Just like, wow, everybody ringing, you know, your ears wow, are ringing, yeah. eyes are coming back. The flash was crazy. And at that point, it just stopped. Huh. All of a sudden, the white caps had kind of ceased and it was like, this huge storm front rolled through. It culminated with a, a strike. Bang. It hit the it hit the birch tree. A lot of the paper, you know, bark was was scorched in kind of a pattern going down the side wow. of that tree, and parts of it broke off, fell away from the cabin, thankfully. Um, but that did a couple things. We you know made us start thinking. So what what would we actually do? <laughs> you know, I mean. Minnesota's not exactly Tornado Alley, where the tail end and the farther north you get, the less likely that is. But mm-hmm. here again, straight line winds, you know, accompanied by some serious, serious electrical storm action. And um, boy, we just kind of thought, I, I remember my mom for weeks after that, this thing could have got pushed right off those blocks and gone right down into the water. And what would we <laughs> do? She couldn't swim, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, I think we would get out of the cabin and climb up the shore and come it'd be fine you know but at the time you're just kind of spazzing out oh my goodness gracious i remember my dad joking well we'd get underneath the cabin we'll lay under the cabin oh it comes off the bricks and then we're dead it's just gonna squash us like the wicked witch of the west you know, and all this kind of stuff but uh that that was a, always a question after that i remember i think the plan after that was let's get in the car and drive for brain just floor it and get out of here not much of a plan you know we're kind of in the thick of it too and woods all around you and for a while you know to get out of there and is that is that a legitimate course of action to take and my dad would just kind of with his pipe clenched between his teeth start laughing and shake his head and <laughs> i think his some total response was well if it's our time to go it's our time to go and at least we were at the cabin <laughs> what a place to check out right but uh Oh, it sounds like we are going to go on a sponsor break. So uh, hang in there with us, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. Cream of tomato. Cream of tomato. And now for the overture to our second act. All right, Don. What's to eat? What's to drink? Good food galore. Quick as a wink. And now for the overture to our second act. All right, Don. Get the item that adds to your personal comfort. Cigarettes, here you are. Mouthwatering. It's a beverage and a food. Wouldn't one taste good right now? And now for the overture to our second act. All right, Don. Please replace the pickle on its rack when you're ready to leave. Failure to do so will damage both the pickle and your car. 
We'll be grateful, and so will the pickle. Pretty pickle. Pretty, 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 pretty pickle. Pickle's waiting for you. Now back to Bjorn Lloydstedt and Fudd Klugman in Cabin Country. Yeah, if you live in the old, old-style cabins, if you got something like that, or you know, I always wonder about the people that have like a trailer home. Oh yeah, right there on the on the lakefront or whatever. Those to me always seemed like something that would just get picked up and thrown. Yeah, you know, I've seen uh, news footage of that cars being twirled into the sky and dropping down on their roofs, and, and what about a a home like that motorhome? Absolutely, absolutely. The pre-builds where there's like two halves and they got hauled up on a semi-trailer and then put together and it's all good, right? Well, I wonder, you know, when the weather gets really crazy. But it seems like, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, the last two summers for your, your crew up there at, at Gull River, it seems like it's becoming possibly more the norm and what's the plan of action? You know, I, m- I remember hearing that as a kid, you know, back in the day with like hunting, you know, gun safety. Where the weather gets bad, you get in a ditch, you know, get mm-hmm. as low as you can in a ditch and just hang on for dear life. And that yeah. was that was a backup plan. It was like, well, we'll just go find a ditch and we'll jump in it. <laughs> Other right. side of the, the, the road and we'll end up in the swamp. Get up to your neck in the bulrushes and see what happens. Yeah, I always think about that, but of course never had to do it. Never did a practice drill for that. All right. All right, family. Yeah, here we go. Here, the nearest ditch is right over here. Let's jump in it. Clutch that sod. It's gonna go. Try to avoid the uh, creeping Charlie and the. I guess that wouldn't do anything. But poison, oh, poison yeah. ivy. There we go. Poison ivy. <laughs> this darn creep. Look how bad the creeping Charlie is this year. Well, these winds are something else, aren't they? Yes, yeah, indeed. I don't know. Well, that was that was kind of the the tale of it. I know we came up a few other times where we'd come up on Friday night. And, find a foot and a half of water in the boat and it's sitting mm. on the bottom of the lake you know low yeah. riding and yeah we had one of those two where part of the dock was flipped over you know mm-hmm. up against the neighbor's dock theirs was fine somehow ours got crushed and i think it was at that point my dad decided enough with the wooden legs it's time to start yeah bolting these sections together he's you know galvanized pipe even put put the wheels the axles on you know easy withdrawal easy you know get it in the water easy get it out of the water easy but strange things strange times and i've been out of the loop long enough that who knows you know what what is there now is a two-story home it's sold several times and it's got a basement i know so oh it does i'm sure they're just fine it's amazed me that my cousin's place that's again that is a hunting shack and just like the one you had on daggett lake it um just the corners where it had the cinder blocks up on, on blocks, it. and yep. it—it's never, you know, it's never moved, <laughs> and it's just a small, little. It's smaller than the cabin we've got on the gull, and it's—it's it's on a point yeah, on the river, kind of like in a peninsula sticking out into the river. Yeah, I mean, it, almost unprotected. It looks totally like come wind, blow blow me down. Yeah, uh, knock this thing. An invitation over. for the big bad wolf. I dare you. Uh, but it's—it survived, so. You just wonder, well, maybe the safest place is the cabin. I mean, you know. Well, I guess you just stay put, you know, turn off all the power if you can, and just hang tight. Yeah, you didn't want to be 
outside on the ground next to that uh, birch. That, no, no. That wouldn't have been good, so at least you were up. Uh, and uh, So, yeah, that's... Uh, well, that tree came down shortly thereafter. Uh, I suppose. Dad got out his old yellow McCullough and revved it up after he couldn't get it started for half an hour. And finally got it started, and it was a rope around that tree and tied to our neighbor's Cadillac, and he was kind enough to say, I'll pull it away from the cabin, and you just start cutting the notches out. And sure enough, down it went, and, and we didn't have to worry about that after that. But I never had the heart to tell my mom, you do realize there's a white pine right behind <laughs> your bedroom that's probably 70 feet tall. And there's a you know, red oak. I, the place was in constant shade. There were huge trees all around it. We got rid of the one. The other one stayed. <laughs> she didn't either didn't want to think about it or we just didn't bother mentioning it. But... Uh, I think this uh, might be a good point to segue into the dangers of the cat. Like, what What did you, you know, your mom couldn't swim. Nope. So she was afraid to be in the boat. That was a frightening circumstance. And my mom was, was, was similar. Of course, she never, she didn't go up that much. She just became sort of a dad and the boys kind of a thing. So, you know, looking back now, um, h- how did your mom get convinced to actually go up and... <laughs> No, I don't, I don't, it's a really good question. I, I wonder sometimes. Um, I think part of it was, you know, I was totally gung-ho on the idea, and my dad wanted a place where he could just get away from everything. Mm. The job, you know, the neighborhood, enjoyed where they lived, loved the neighbors, it was all good. Everybody had basically, who. oh, you know, Paul mowed his lawn, and Bob's out there, I better go, we gotta start, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's gotta have a nice cut lawns and keep the fences painted and very nice suburban you know everything looks the same kind of neighborhood for a very long time but I think even there it was like you know he grew up on a farm and a lot of times like a kid of the great depression you go out to get the cattle bring them back in he always brought his gun pheasants grouse whatever add to the table you know he there was something kind of the outdoors that he liked a lot he was a farm country kind of kid but I think he saw, you know, enough of the Northwoods and fishing trips going up north, going to Canada, and he, he was he was kind of fell under its spell, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, here was a great opportunity, and one of his relatives, distant relatives, pointed this place out and said they're all going up for sale, and it looks like a nice place, and it's on a huge chain of lakes, you know, 15, I think, 14. I figured this out before, but you know, great spot it's going to become very popular you got to try it and he was into it he just yep i want to do this and my mom was very good at making it sound like she i I don't know that she really wanted this place Mm -hmm. but dad really wanted it and i sounded excited so okay let's do this and uh made the best of it made the best of it yeah and then and then we've talked about this before but let's turn this little tinderbox into our own version of kind of a, you know, posh lake home, which mm-hmm. is kind of comical because it was like putting lipstick on a pig. But, uh, <laughs> you know, she enjoyed it eventually and and uh, and made the best of it to the point where I think she really did jo- enjoy being up there. She had her own. She, she loved antiquing, going around, oh. hitting all the antique shops and, and uh, sitting and reading and then, you know, a different kitchen. I oh, I can design my own kitchen here. Well, no, you can't. It's, it's eight feet in size, you know, total. But uh, 
they kind of redid that. And, uh, she tried to put her own spin on things. Which does remind me, one of the subjects we wanted to tackle was cabin decor. Oh, yes. And uh, so it sounds like your mom had an opportunity to, uh, well, it was another, it was a second nest to get yes, work on. Yes, yes, nest number two. I remember, for my dad, you'll appreciate this, it was a certain amount of, yes, we should carpet the place. Oh. But what's cheap at the lumberyard? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we ended up with some kind of multicolored shag, you know, and then throw rugs over that. So, you know, and it, I mean, they did what they could to make the place look good. It was, it was, it was what it was. It was a pine, knotty pine fishing cabin on cinder blocks with shag carpet and a <laughs> semi-functioning TV and, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And, I'm wondering if, were your parents like uh, my dad is today? It's like you walk into this tiny bathroom, the same one that you want to ditch a storm up there in the Gull River. But you go in there, and there are three separate little rugs. It's like, I I don't know what my dad has against hard floor. Right. But everywhere you can walk, I mean, it's not carpeted, wall-to-wall carpet. It's... It's many rugs. Little throw rugs. And a giant, old, ancient, I don't know where he got this, uh, this, um, what do you call it? Not Turkish, uh, you know, the, the uh, sort of oriental rug. Yeah. Um, Persian-looking rug. Yeah, that's covering most right. of the living area space. And then, but you walk into the bathroom and there are these three, well, first of all, you walk in, and of course, yeah, you, you know, you track in mud and dirt, and, and of course, you should take your shoes off, even at the cabin. Um, but he's got, there are two or three rugs or carpets in the kitchen. Then you walk up a step or two and you, you take a right into the bathroom and there are three little rugs. So <laughs> I've never, you know, hey, it's my dad's place. Keep your and, feet uh, warm. You know, Fudge, so. you got to keep those feet warm. And, and uh, my, my theory is, is that um, people of my, my dad's age, a baby boomer, they grew up in houses with hardwood floors. And right. it became this great luxury sure. to have carpet you know wall-to-wall carpeting that's the lap of luxury and of course maybe for us Xers and beyond it's sort of like now let's rip up this old stinky carpet in my case it's just a dog bed and allergies yes it's all that kind of rubbish come on so it's it's kind of it's kind of funny you're covering up uh covering up the well I guess the base floor in this case isn't all that pretty, but... Uh, green. What are you predicting? <laughs> I've never seen that before. A green kind of a stain. Well, For again, it's it's kind of woodsy. Well, you're in the heart of it. Why not? What? What? Don, you are fantastic. And thank you for the heads up now. Ladies and gentlemen, a word from our sponsor. Cabin Country would like to thank you for making the Cabin Country Podcast the number one podcast on GSPN, the Gas Station Podcast Network. If your favorite gas station doesn't play Cabin Country while you are at the pumps filling your tank, please tell them that you want to hear Cabin Country while you gas up. Nothing says gas like Cabin Country. Mitt's Coffees is proud to offer their newest blend for coffee lovers across the Northwest. 
Supremian Colombo, a rich, full-bodied dark coffee that is strong enough to be your daybreak blend, but not so powerful that you'll have to stop after two or three cups. Supremian Colombo is a great choice for an everyday blend, a brew that will accompany you through your day while letting you still get a rewarding night's sleep. Join the legions of four-in-place kickers and disheveled private investigators who swear by it. Ah, uh, just one more cup. Supremian Colombo is the coffee for you. Brought to you by Mitt's Coffee Roasters, the brew that flew with the great Northwest. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by gorgeous Fashion Mammoth in Now Then, Minnesota. Stay up to date on the current modes of ladies' dress and style at the Mammoth. Millerney and fabric sales are also part of the Mammoth's offerings. Yards of cloth by the bolt and notions of all kinds are yours for the asking at gorgeous Fashion Mammoth. Minnows and leeches are also available for purchase at the front counter. And off-sale liquor sales continue Monday through Saturday, but never ever on a Sunday. back to Bjorn Lloydstead and Fudd Klugman on Cabin Country. Yeah, what were the walls adorned with? Uh, we, uh, well, you know, the, the resort owner had two or three different racks of, uh, of deer antlers up and one over each bedroom. But that meant they were right there in the living room because from the living room you walk right into a bedroom there wasn't much space here so you were up close and personal and was, but yeah a couple different racks of horns and uh, they became hat racks fishing hat racks uh-huh. you, know, you put your fishing hats on the horns of these these uh, these deer antlers and uh, and then my dad screwed a uh, fishing rod holder over by the door that looked like a fish right oh. Nice. Wooden fish and held about ten rods. Oh, I don't know how we were going to get ten people in that cabin, but I mean there were ten <laughs> rods there, right? And then uh, sort of the space age '60s kind of Jetsons kind of clock up on the oh, wall, yeah. and uh, and then just all this knotty pine, and then and then the kind of plastic roll down shades because mm-hmm. the whole front side was windows. Oh yeah, everything was windows, but they wanted the the kind of plastic, you know. They roll down, and nine out of ten times they work, and the tenth time they just, you know, roll back up, yeah. and flap, 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 flap. Yeah. And then, of course, mom got to make curtains to put over those. And, right. And and the kind of requisite, you know, hunters at their camp being chased by a bear <laughs> artwork yes. prints that my dad loved from Field and Stream magazine, and he, oh, he, sure. he made his own frames and put the glass in, and those went up on the walls. And I think my mom just kind of sat there going, Jeez, look at this. It looks like a fishing shack. That wasn't my part of this. You know, was kind of, well, it is what it is. We can't we can't fight it. Was there any any bit of a feminine touch in the cabin? Um Well, she had her throw rugs down on top of the uh, that, sure. that that's what always boggled my mind. So this gaudy, crazy pattern shag carpet and then throw rugs on top of that. <laughs> wow. And yeah, so it was it was a strange, strange. She kind of took over that little tiny kitchen, and she built something that I guess you'd call it like a, a buffet that was on hinges that you could crank up and then put down this leg. Oh, and that would extend your countertop. And then Dad built for her all these kind of shelves behind that kind of funky '70s like 
it's plastic, but it's supposed to look like glass. Oh, yes. And it's kind of amber-colored, and there's these patterns in it. Oh, yeah. And it sort of hides all the open shelves where the... Oh, yeah. and then he bought shelving kits at the lumber yard and oh. built those white pine you know yeah. stained them and the wood was so cheap the stain just bubbled up and kind of got hard <laughs> it's like good lord and they never actually closed you oh, know it was like you know, the home built stuff that you but you made from kits that oh yeah lord knows who created these things but yeah I, one last thing to add there too my dad and his let's let's make a deal kind of approach to stuff they it was a huge back lot you know, and there was a road that bisected our lot that they used to use for picking up the trash. Truck would drive down and just grab the trash from all the cabins. Mm-hmm. And just open. You know, there was one big pine back there and kind of a volunteer box elder or something. And my mom was like, well, let's put all these trees back there. Let's get our own little forest going. And uh, they had seen, courtesy uh, Northern States Power, that they were having a tree sale. And these trees were like a dollar a piece. Mm-hmm. Great deal. And you got to show up at their home offices in Brainerd and you can so we walked we did this and we drove back to the cabin with this cardboard box full of I, I kid you not not a one of them was bigger than three inches tall <laughs> wrapped in wet towel you know <laughs> and he and I was out, we were out there just digging down all these ridiculous little oh my god and, and I mean we had the place for 15 years none of those trees ever got taller than like six feet <laughs> And I think the guy who bought the place ended up cutting most of them down anyway. You know, oh, my nice gosh. bunch of shrubs you planted here. <laughs> I want them gone. And then he built this huge garage. So, But it was funny. I, I'd be out there with that lawnmower that sort of worked and yeah. mowing around you know, as the pine needles and dust are flying. I'm trying to not run over Dad's trees that are you know six inches tall. And I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. I, by the time I'm 50... We might actually have some height to some of these trees, but, you know, that was just kind of funny. And there, too, it was like, well, what a deal. Are you kidding me? This is outstanding. I got 20 trees for 20 bucks. This is amazing. <laughs> and it's going to take 40 years. Yeah, for I'll never leave. You know, I won't be around in time to see these things even reach 10 feet, but hey. <laughs> oh, Dad. Well, Goodness. you know, your lawnmower brings up... You know, Don, I think we need a little cue for sort of a lawnmower news update. All right, thanks very much. Uh, <laughs> Quick on the trigger that time. Well, my, I was up with my dad recently, and we, uh, we put in a new set of stairs leading down to the dock. We have kind of a 20-foot bank. Maybe it's more oh, like it just reminds It reminds me completely of, of our old place. Exactly. Absolutely. And so we uh, we did we put in new steps because the old ones were twenty five or so twenty eight years old, and uh, yeah the base the base of it was rotting so, but we were up there and my dad was informing me as we were uh, moving things in and out of the shed that uh, well the lawnmower that we have uh, doesn't work properly it's um, you know most lawnmowers these days no way you have to <laughs> keep the <laughs> You have to. There's a bar on it that you have to hold to the handlebar to ensure keep that the it motor engaged. Keeps yeah, running. it's, it's a shut safety off. feature. Absolutely. Well, for some reason that malfunctioned, and my dad has since wired it permanently. <laughs> so once you start this thing, 
you you can't turn it off unless you go to the front of the the, the motor the engine and pull off the rubber spark plug cap oh boy and disconnect that <laughs> disconnect the plug wires so my dad of course well, i just want to see if it starts and it and it did start but then he had to go and well, i don't want to get a shock so he put on a glove and went and grabbed the uh the rubber boot cap off of the spark plug and so I just thought it just it it doesn't change. Not only that, <laughs> but there's even more. It keeps getting crazy. It keeps getting crazy. Well, my dad has informed me that well, he wants to get a new lawnmower for his his home here in Oakdale, and so he's going to take the old one that he's got there and bring that up. So we'll have two semi-functioning lawnmowers <laughs> up at the cabin, so he can get his new one. And it's just. <laughs> Bjorn and I had a special episode where we were out on the Gull River with the 1960 Sea Queen, and we had a 9.9 Mariner outboard. The outboard. And uh, we were having some troubles with Stuttering it. Stuttering Mariner. Well, it, it continues to... I've, I've, I've informed my dad of this, and I have to leave it into his more capable, engine-savvy hands than mine. But I took out, uh, I took the boat out this weekend with my uh, two daughters, and, and it, not more than three minutes had gone by. As I had it opened up, we made the fun little circle. Ooh, and it just, here we go. It wound down and quit. And then the daughters got a chance to, to, to row Dad back to the dock. You know, good work, they wanted huh? to do it, and it was fun. But yeah, so so there again. I mean, you know, it's uh, I, I've learned to live with that kind of thing and, and just wave at my two cousins that go by in their 150 to 220 horsepower boats and everything yes, while boats. we're having problems with you know, our two semi-ripcords. Yeah. So that, it just Roller cuff issue. goes on and on. I think my dad's, well, he's going to look at it next time he goes up, and he's even decided that he's going to, if he can't, if there's something wrong with it, he's going to put it in his SUV. Okay. And uh, we've actually got a guy here on the border of Oakdale and Lake Elmo who fixes outboards. So, um... We'll do it here in, in Suburbanville and, uh, and then bring it back up. Unfortunately, though, the the uh, the 40 horsepower, also a Mariner, yes. on the pontoon is is in bad shape. And our motor-savvy neighbor uh, is later this week, I think, he's going to take it in. And he's, he's thinking, though, yeah, it might be the Sutton and so forth underneath the whatever the heck and uh, I think right. it might be you might be looking at a $300 kind of thing so you guys are going to have to decide if you want to actually get it fixed or not so therein is the question we want to be to able to get out to uh, fix. a little bit of ways from the dock so the fishing motor would probably be less expensive to fix but the pontoon I have a feeling I, I mean the, the new boat is in the future Bjorn it, we're, we're going to so say goodbye we're going to the we're have a special uh, episode of breaking in the new boat someday. And I hope we're both not in our 80s, but <laughs> it's it's going to happen. Blue blockers on. It's going to happen. Well, we got it. That's a heck of a vessel. I love it. I can't get down to it. Help me up. But it's all, all part of the fun of cabin country. Cabin country. And it wouldn't be the same without it. Let's not fool ourselves. Now, here's a lilting little tune. Thank you, Don. That's a great reminder that it is time for some words from our sponsors. However, stay tuned. We're going to dig deep in the Schmidt Scenic box for that segment people seem to enjoy. Lord knows we like it. The Schmidt Scenic collection is coming up right after this.
And now our friend good old Lloyd would like to talk to us about Cramwell Soups. Every home chef and sportsman alike knows the value of enlivening the flavors of many Minnesota game species. In their prime, nothing beats the flavor of corn-fed pheasant or a deep-water walleye. But not all creatures were created equal. A particular goose on its own can be greasy, fatty, or strong. Venison can have a gamey flavor that overrides its hidden subtleties. A late-season lake perch may taste more like the lake bed than you'd like. You worked hard to hook or bag that trophy. What can you do to improve the flavor? Every angler, hunter, and household chef knows the importance of reaching for the right condiments when our quarry doesn't taste as good as it might. The chefs at Cramwell's have always offered you that valuable pantry ingredient, Cramwell's Cream of Wildlife Soup. Cream of Wildlife will take the dog days out of fish, the gamey out of game, and the wild out of wildlife. And it makes a keen hot dish ingredient, too. A can of cream of wildlife and your latest catch cooked low and slow. Nothing ever tasted better coming out of the oven. Add it to a saddle of venison, you'd think you were dining at the Four Seasons. And let's not forget that cream of wildlife tastes mighty good by itself as a soup course or a quick deer shack lunch. Cramwell's Cream of Wildlife Soup. It's in your pantry. Got the box here that's full of my old beer right. can treasures, the Schmitzini collection. It is time to dig deep in the box and see which beautifully festooned can we will be critiquing tonight in the Schmitzini collection. Oh my goodness. Look at that. FUD. There it is. Something you might not always see in the great state of Minnesota, but I think it can be found if you go in the right parts of the state. I'm not sure where that would be, but what do we see here, Fudd? What do you, what do you take in? Well, of course, the first thing that came to my mind is Lassie. Lassie. The collie. The collie looking over the valley of sheep. And we've got some, uh, what kind of, what would you call those? those they uh, look kind of like buttes to me, or mesas. I don't, yeah. Again, I, kind of going back to that pronghorn can, I'm not sure where in the great state of Minnesota you find all South kinds Dakota. of mesas and buttes of southern North Dakota. But, you know, if Don can get off the schneid here at some point and open up the phone lines, maybe right. a caller would like to call in and tell us. You rank amateurs, all you got to do is head down highway, whatever, this part of the state, and you might find them. It's good sheep country. And I look at Lassie here and the sheep, and I'm thinking like the Midlands of England. Yeah. Oddly enough, although you probably don't find buttes and mesas in the Midlands of England. But, yeah, by all means, sheep farming, sheep herding, I guess you'd say. and The collie dog, did you... Have a heartwarming dog sheep story from, oh. from well, the Fud's life of the past. We grew up with a. Uh, it was kind of a long-haired and was kind of brown, sort of black and tan. A black and tan. <coughs> and uh, we, it was named Corky. Corky. And uh, once she got the chance, she just ran off and would be gone, and we'd. Yelling and screaming after her for quite a get bit on your time. bikes and take off looking for Corky. And it could Here, be that's Corky. even though I've had Corky. dogs growing up, I Corky. don't consider myself a dog person. <laughs> Where'd you go, Corky? Corky. 
Forky. How about yourself? Never had a dog, Fudd. Never did. Always wanted one as a kid. And uh, my parents always said, we've had toddlers in the house, and they grew up. And we don't want them for the next 15 years remaining toddlers. And it's funny. I always thought, what a sellout. I don't believe it. No, it just felt ripped off. The You know, you don't want a dog because it's a lot of work, but I'm a kid and give me a break. And some of my friends have dogs and they just love it. And the dog is part of the family and I can't believe And the irony being now that I'm an adult and, of course, both my kids have talked about at one point in their life, wouldn't it be great to have a dog? And I came back with, I, you know, I had two toddlers in my house and that was great, <laughs> but now that you're not kids anymore, little kids, I really don't want a perpetual toddler with four feet and... The, <laughs> letting them out and who's going to pick up the yard and wiping the paws and i know that's kind of a cheesy sellout but you know i guess you got to kind of know yourself and if you're into it great and god love you and i love other people's dogs i really enjoy being around other people's dogs but i i know myself well enough you know that idea of like cabin country want to pick up maybe pack a tent or we've got a place to be guests of someone or stay at a camp and you take off and that dog doesn't exist so we don't need to worry about boarding or who's going to come over and feed mm-hmm. him let him let her he or her out and and take her, you know the dog for the walks and all this kind of stuff or paying the big money you know just talked yes. to uh, buck fielding the other night and he was talking about gone on a trip to the glamorous capital of las vegas and gotta find boarding for the dog the dog's a year and a half cute you know furry golden lab and Golden Retriever, I'm not even sure, Buck. You'll tell us in a week or two here. but uh, You know, great dog. Looks like a perfect hunting dog. Probably a duck hunting dog. Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful coat and needs to be cared for while they're gone. And he yes. says, boy, that was not cheap, you know. And there's great animal boarders out there, and they do a wonderful business, and they take outstanding care of people's pets. But it's kind of like sending the dog to a hotel. We're going to a hotel. It is. And so's the pooch. So... I uh, never had one, uh, although the collie here, we'll, we'll call her Lassie, on this beer can, you know, reminds me, I, I remember I had an aunt, an uncle that lived out in farm country, out western Minnesota, and uh, I feel like they, I, I'm remembering strongly they had a dog, I forget the dog's name, but a big, you know, kind of farm dog, but it was a collie, uh-huh. and uh, they're good herding animals, they kind of a herding instinct, so this can is true to True to nature, watching the flocks and all that good stuff. I remember, too, they also later on, I want to say the dog's name was Elsie. And it was this big St. Bernard. And uh, nice dog, but if you didn't belong on the property, you better not get anywhere near. Don't let Elsie see you because if if she knew the family, and she did, or you were introduced to the dog by their owner and my uncle, everything's great. With people just coming on property off the highway or something, breakdowns or mm-hmm. just wandering, you know. That dog was going to be on you <laughs> in a heartbeat nice. and a big animal. You know, St. Bernard's a good-sized dog. So it was good for kind of farm protection and at the same time also a, a good herding animal. And uh, I None of my farmer relatives ever dabbled in sheep, as I recall. There were hog farmers. There were Holstein cow farmers. And then just... Good old-fashioned, straight-up, you know, corn farmers. I don't uh, remember soybeans. seeing a lot of sheep growing up. In no, 
no. Minnesota, at least in our you know trips to the cabin and so forth. Doesn't really seem like something. Although I know they're out there because you go to the great Minnesota get together every summer, the state fair. Oh, yeah. You go through the livestock barns, and there's a lot of sheep breeders that are there who are from the great state of Minnesota, you know, a land of 10,000-plus lakes. And so they're there. I just don't really know where they are, and I don't... I feel like having driven out to Lindstrom a few times in my life, there were... Occasionally, you'll, you'd go by some some sheep farms, sheep ranches, I guess you might say. Do we have ranches in Minnesota? Of course we do. What am I What am I saying? Of course well, we do. Well, I think so. Not like you'd think of in... Texas. No. But, Welcome to the South Fork. But yeah, you know, of course, I guess I, the more I think about it, uh, Bjorn, it, it, we're always thinking about our relationship with in Minnesota with the route on Highway 10 up to the cabin. Absolutely. And uh, so basically we're looking at these scenics saying, let's see, did we see these on Highway 10 anywhere? Any, But I'm trying to think now, maybe Pipestone, Minnesota looks kind of like this beer can where they've got Could a, be. a redstone quarry. And uh, at least on the can here, the valley is actually kind of green, you know, and the sheep are grazing. But in the background, you see these sort of sand rock formated formations. Uh, the cutaway quarry. Uh, I think Pipestone's a national monument, right? It's. Uh, I think it is now, and it's uh, got historical status. It's a. It's a. It's a big deal. Yeah, and a native man I know. Yeah, that's where they, the uh, Dakota uh, Indians would. Uh, take the stones from that quarry and yeah and make their chinupas their their pipes you know very sacred so i know i know it's a an important spot but i have never never been there (laughs) well a good friend of mine from colleague of mine at work and he talked about being in the pipestone quarries Mm -hmm. national monument uh, on a trip to kind of the southern part of the state and then into south dakota and, and stopping off at the pipestone quarries there and just kind of wandering around being respectful of the play you know not picking Mm -hmm. up samples or anything you know just but but walking around and he said he had some really interesting kind of sensations there uh Mm. he said at one point his son seemed to be right near him and talking to him then all of a sudden he was like a hundred yards away and looking at him in a completely different angle and moving his mouth but he couldn't hear a word he was saying and he said his ears started ringing it was this weird kind of quasi, some say spiritual, some say kind of paranormal kind of thing. But he said I, it felt like that whole quarry to him, kind of a sensitive individual. He, and I don't mean like well, he's a sensitive guy, but he kind of empathic. Could pick up on those. Uh, yeah, and he said, man, I felt some real energy there that was kind of interesting. And then just all of a sudden my, my son was near me and talking and suddenly way far away from me. And I couldn't hear. How did he didn't ask? Mm-hmm. They just kind of walked towards each other and had a, you know continued their walk and their conversation. But it, he said, "I always wanted to figure out how in the world did that happen." <laughs> I don't know, you know. Obviously, not being there, and I don't want to discount it or sensationalize it. But he just thought he was like, "Man, that was really unusual." He said, "I think there's a power there that a lot of people don't understand." And I think a lot of native people it. would say, "Well, of course there is. It's oh, yes. the sacred spot for for the pipes, you know." the stone that becomes the the ceremonial pipes interesting stuff lassie and the sheep the buttes and possibly southwestern minnesota yeah who knows we'll just call it that southwest call it that indeed well maybe that's a good place to end this this particular episode of cabin country big fun with the schmidt scenic collection and uh, the weather 
Outside can be frightful, and the cabin is perched on cement. And uh, what do we do? And then Little the big go. reveal. Fudd says, perhaps someday. someday. Sooner than later. It's good, time to get something Goodbye, pontoon. Hello. 50-foot catamaran with twin 400-horse. <laughs> wow. Who'd believe it? The pride of the river. You never know. I'll, I'll be dreaming tonight. Anyway, we'll... Look forward to seeing you next next episode, and I remain Bjorn uh, Lloydstad, and I'm Fud Klugman. We'll and talk we'll, to you soon. We'll see you back here at the shack. We'll start the coffee pot one more time. See you soon. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.